0: Church, it's great to have you here with us again. So we've been working our way through this series and unpacking the idea of the kingdom. We've said that Jesus spent most of his uh, ministry here on earth talking about, demonstrating, and ushering in the kingdom. And so we thought it'd be great just to spend a few weeks just uh, you know, unpacking this idea and a couple of weeks ago, we introd it, and then last week, we looked at this idea that we live in an upside down kingdom, and Jesus came to turn it all on its head. Because when he arrived here on earth, he didn't look like, he didn't act in the way that people expected the coming Messiah to act. And, you know, he taught principles that were counter cultural, not only then, but also today didn't he these ideas like the first will be last and to find your life you need to lose it and the humble will be exalted and the greatest will become the servant. He he taught about and lived out these ideas that were countercultural then and now. So if you missed those you can catch up on our YouTube channel. That'd be fantastic. But today, I just want to spend a few minutes uh, talking from the title, Already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. You know, we've already established that the kingdom of heaven is not a physical place, but in reality, it's God's rule. It's, It's his reign. And so if you study the Gospels and and the discussion around the theme of the kingdom, you'll find a a sort of conflict, a, a confusion that perhaps begs a question. And the question is, when will God's kingdom come? When will the kingdom of heaven come? In fact, the Pharisees asked Jesus this very question. And Jesus responded, let me read to you in Luke 17. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And that, that phrase there in the Greek is this word entos. Some translations say it is within you, but this idea of amongst or, or in the midst is probably the more accurate translation of that word in the context it's used. And so from this response that Jesus gives, we, we kind of get this understanding that the kingdom of God is here now. And this uh, idea is is, is, comment, is cemented even more in uh, in Matthew's gospel where three times he says the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Three times he says this idea that that the kingdom is in our midst, is among us. Just as an aside, uh, I've not mentioned this yet, but uh, throughout the gospels we see references to the kingdom of God and also the kingdom of heaven. Now this isn't talking about two different things. What we see is that Matthew primarily uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven because he's writing to a Jewish audience who would ordinarily try to avoid mentioning the sacred name of God. So he uses the kingdom of heaven but they're they're one and the same thing just to make sure that there's no confusion as I flit between the two uh, when I'm giving my messages. So we see from That passage we just read in Luke, the idea of the kingdom of God being here and present and right now. But we also see this opposing view of the kingdom actually being something in the future. And just two chapters on in the the book of Luke in chapter 19, Jesus teaches once again in a parable and it says, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately, he said, therefore a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. He then goes on to tell of, of how the nobleman uh, gave out some money to his his servants to invest whilst away. And and you may well know this parable, if not go and delve into it. But the key here is not necessarily for today about the investment they make, but actually it's that one day this nobleman has gone away, Jesus has gone away, and one day he will return. His kingdom will return. In other words, Jesus is using this story to explain that he was going to go to heaven and he'll be for some time, that amount of time we don't know, but then at some point he's going to return and establish his kingdom in all its power and glory. And there are multiple verses talking about how we can enter the kingdom, whether it's with childlike faith or whether it's through doing the will of God. So we find in these kind of conflicting and contrasting verses an idea that the kingdom of heaven is all ready here but also it's not yet here it's it's somewhere in the future so I just want to unpack that a little bit more together. turn with me if you will to John chapter 3 we're just going to read uh, the first five verses of this now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, this this Pharisee, he was a theologian of the time. He was well read in the scriptures, and he could probably wipe the floor with you and me on a a quiz on Bible knowledge. But, But here in this passage, we see him struggling to understand what it is that Jesus is saying to him about the kingdom of God. And I really like the language used in this passage, because I think it encapsulates this idea of a kingdom that is already but not yet. You see, the language used at the beginning by Jesus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is talking about something present, something that we can see, it's possible to witness and to experience right now, but some are blinded to it. And then later he goes on to say, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so I believe that's talking of something in the future, something that at some point we can enter. So we're not getting into right now this kind of eschatological study on, you know, delving into end times and, and revelation and all of that stuff about what the second coming of Jesus will look like. Yeah, perhaps that's something we can look at another time when I'm feeling brave enough to, to take that challenge on. But if we just kind of jump back to this passage for a moment, we think that, that Nicodemus, this, this scholar of a man, this educated uh, Jewish Pharisee, he can't grasp what it is that Jesus is saying. How, how on earth can someone be born again? How can someone be born again? And, and then he began, begins to question the, the biology of a literal second birth as an adult, which really doesn't bear thinking about, does it? But the reason, I believe, for his confusion is because of an understanding, is because an understanding of the kingdom comes from revelation, not information. An understanding of the kingdom comes from revelation, not information. So Nicodemus, he has the brains, he has an understanding of the scriptures and the prophecies about the coming Messiah. He has all the information that he needs to put these pieces together, but what he doesn't have, what he hasn't had, is a personal revelation. You know, in our house, we love a medical drama, Grey's Anatomy, New Amsterdam, you name it, will watch it. But one thing that I've seen as we watch these, these medical dramas is that medical students, they train for years and years, head knowledge about what the human body needs and all that stuff, but nothing can prepare you for that first cut, putting scalpel to flesh And I don't know, holding a human hand in your heart. I'm no surgeon, but I I imagine that the first time actually opening someone up is pretty nerve wracking experience. Because you've got all the, the knowledge and the information that you need, but you've never actually felt what it feels like to put a scalpel into a person's body and make a cut as much as I like it. It makes me cringe a little bit. In fact, it's the same way in in my career. I studied marketing at university. I got all of the the head knowledge and the 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 under the theoretical understanding of what it meant to have a career in marketing, and yet I actually, in reality, have no clue what a job in that world would look like. What what on earth does a marketeer actually do? But one thing I do know is that it doesn't mean I'm a graphic designer or that I can come up with amazing witty catchphrases that are both totally different professions. Now now these aren't perfect analogies but I hope you can see where I'm going with this because we can have a wealth of knowledge in front of us we can know the scriptures back to front and be able to you know have deep theological debates with each other but Until we have a real life, personal revelation of the person of Jesus, we'll never be able to see and understand the kingdom of God. It takes revelation, not information. And out of that revelation comes an understanding. It's like the light finally comes on and we can see the truth, we can see behind the veil into the spiritual heavenly realm and, and then we can begin to partner with Jesus in actually bringing God's kingdom here on earth. We pray, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, that happens when we become kingdom carriers Kingdom carriers. You see, we as the church, the ecclesia of God, are people called. Called by God, for God, and to God. This is a really interesting concept because what that means is that we are called to carry the kingdom of God through the way that we live and love. We're called to carry it into our world. That could be into your world work or into your schools or into your friendships and families, into your marriage, into your finances. It's, we're carrying the kingdom of God into our world. So that as the church, as we the church begin to move about the world into these different areas that we all have kind of touch points with other people, we bring the kingdom of God with us. We are kingdom carriers bringing the kingdom of God into this world. So by us carrying the kingdom into our work, for example, it means that that people can be impacted by the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? They can be impacted by the kingdom without necessarily entering into the kingdom. As an example, take the work that we're doing with our Forget-Me-Nots project, which is going so well. We launched this project because God called us as a local church to to bring hope to our, our community, to bring hope to our community. That's one of our core values as a church. So as believers that are working in this project, we are carrying the kingdom into some of the uh, the most vulnerable families that are in our community. We're carrying the kingdom with us but that doesn't mean that every home that we enter people are going to be dropping to their knees and asking for forgiveness and how on earth they can enter into the kingdom of God. They're transformed by but not necessarily entering into the kingdom of God. So our hope with the project is that we can bring the kingdom to them, that we can demonstrate the kingdom, that we can give the kingdom to them with no strings attached. We're literally giving away the kingdom without requiring a response from them. You know, some may say it's a little controversial because the Bible clearly says that we are called to preach the good news and to make disciples. But Jesus didn't always preach the kingdom. Sometimes he just gave it away. Sometimes he just gave it away. You see, he didn't preach to everyone that he healed. He just healed them. There was no no requirement for a response. And yet, you know, here's the, the thing. Sometimes that act of sharing the kingdom, of giving away the kingdom, it brings about a response. It's not required, but sometimes it happens. You know, we'll never really know the influence and the impact that that our lives have on some people. But let that be a weight off your shoulders. Let it remove the kind of need for you to make sure that in your life you bring 10, 20, 100 people to the kingdom before you die. We don't have to carry that weight or that burden. You know, imagine a world where we recognise that the kingdom is bigger than the church. That we actually stopped worrying about the numbers of bums on seats or viewers on YouTube and we simply started carrying The kingdom with us into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools and our communities with no strings attached. Let's be kingdom carriers, not kingdom counters. Because people can be impacted by the kingdom without necessarily entering into the kingdom of God. I hope that that makes sense and you can get your head around that. If not, maybe let's just take the the story of the ten lepers as an example. Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem and on his journey he meets ten lepers. And from a distance they call out to him and he, he has pity on them. He didn't preach to them. He didn't force the kingdom of God on them. He didn't try to convince them of anything. He just healed them. He just healed them, and so all 10 of those lepers were impacted by the Kingdom of Heaven. But only one returned praising and thanking Jesus. Only one returned recognizing Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. All 10 of the lepers had a physical transformation, but only one had a personal revelation. It's it's radical and an almost reckless idea that can have a profound impact on our mission as believers, that we can simply give the kingdom of God away. Just give it away with no strings attached. I love that as an idea. I hope we can begin to live that as a church. Let's let's have the confidence in God to allow him to influence the world. Through us as we carry the kingdom of God with us and give it away freely. We as the as the church, we're this vehicle of the kingdom. So I pray that that as we as we work through this series, as we as we study uh, together in life groups, that as we worship together as a community, together as as Hope Church Lytham, that we would be empowered to carry the kingdom of God, to have that personal revelation, not just information, but a revelation that allows us and enable us to carry the kingdom of God into our context. You see, this, this kingdom of heaven, it's very much here and it's in our midst. We can demonstrate it as believers through our words and our actions. We can usher in the kingdom of God into our world Right now, we were able to pray to God, your kingdom come and then see it happen. And, and out of that personal revelation of the person of Jesus and the way that he gave of the kingdom with no requirement or commitment for anything in return, the kingdom of God is already here. But also it's not yet here. So, so what does that mean? It means that, that whilst the kingdom of heaven is among us and it's, it's in our midst, we're yet to see the kingdom fulfilled. We can see the kingdom of God at work, but we're yet to see the kingdom fulfilled. We can see it in miracles that happen, in answers to prayer, in the way in which we're enabling ourselves to impact our community. But what we're doing is we're waiting still to see the total and complete fulfillment of his kingdom. So at the beginning of the Bible, when God first created the earth, he made it perfect. He made this, this beautiful kingdom right here on earth. And he He placed within it man and woman and he said to them, recreate the beauty and the perfection of my kingdom outside of the walls of Eden. And we know from the story that that they go, go on and mess up and sin enters into the world, which then ruined this picture of the perfect kingdom of God. And then the rest of the Bible, essentially, it shows God's plan ultimately to return the world back to this picture of the perfect and beautiful kingdom, the kingdom fulfilled. And we see that plan through the prophets speaking and demonstrating God's kingdom. We see it through incredible men and women of faith who live out God's kingdom through their lives. And then through God himself, in the man of Jesus, ushering in the kingdom here on earth. So we somehow need to manage this, this dynamic tension uh, that is the kingdom of God is here amongst us, as it said in Luke 17. It's here right now, but also the kingdom of heaven is still coming. It's not yet here. It's not here in its completeness, in its absoluteness, in its Fullness. and so when we see the kingdom is fulfilled God will have have come to to wrap up all things and and bring all things to conclusion and part of that that wrapping up will will be the, the ultimate salvation of the church the the calling of the church not just in the context of our world today by God. For God and to God, but but also the calling of the church to himself to spend all eternity with him in his rule, his reign, his kingdom. So Jesus brought the kingdom during his life and ministry here on earth. And we see the kingdom at work through the way that we as believers live and love. The kingdom of God is already here, but the kingdom of God is also yet to come. Because Jesus will bring the kingdom in all its glory, in all its splendor, in all its fullness, when he returns again. And I, for one, am excited to see that as much as I love to you know, as I love life on this earth and I, I want to live a long and happy life here on earth, I also long to see my savior return in my lifetime so that I can begin eternity with him. The kingdom of God is here. It's here through the way that we live our lives as believers, through the way that we act, through the things that we say and the things that we do when we are walking in partnership with God but it is also yet to come in its fullness in that glorious picture of Jesus returning to, to welcome his bride into all eternity where we can bask in his glory where we can be made whole and made new once again the kingdom is here already but not yet why don't we pray Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the way in which you love us. We thank you for this perfect picture of the kingdom of heaven that you created here on earth in the very beginning. And we're sorry for the way that we mess up, for the things that we do wrong to destroy and to ruin this picture of perfection that you long for. But we thank you for the person of Jesus Christ who came to, to bring about that restoration of relationships so that ultimately, in the end, we can spend eternity in that perfect picture of the kingdom of heaven in all its fullness. So I pray today for anyone who is watching or listening that hasn't yet had a personal revelation of the person of Jesus Christ I pray that you will uh, enter into their lives, that through, maybe through the words that I've been speaking today or through uh, actions of believers around them, that they will come to have a personal revelation of you, that they will recognize that they are loved, that they are uh, wanted, that that, that you have plans and purposes for their lives. So God, I pray for personal revelation of you in Jesus' name this morning and I thank you that that out of that revelation comes this honor and this privilege of being kingdom carriers so that we can walk and we can live and we can love in the way that you call us to do as believers here on earth in the time that we have to give away the kingdom of God to carry the kingdom of God into our world into our context our work our schools our families, our friendship groups. I pray that you will give us the boldness to just give of the kingdom and not to demand or expect a response, not to feel disappointed when we don't see uh, people come to faith or, or ask for forgiveness immediately through our acts of faith. I pray that you'll help us to to trust in you, to recognize that every seed sown by a believer is not wasted, that you will bring about these works to completion, that you will see it through, that that you will bring along other people to water that seed, to care for that seed, to pull out the weeds that are around it and we can see it at some point grow into this beautiful, flourishing, uh, uh, transformative life. And so I thank you that we have the privilege of carrying your kingdom. May we give it away freely. And so, God, I just pray right now for a week where we have opportunity to give away your kingdom, to bless those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.